Well, it's good to see everybody. Y'all blessed to be here today. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it is absolutely a privilege to have all of you here. Thanks so much for joining us here in Florence. Can we welcome our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? It's good to have you guys in the house. All of you who are watching online, whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us lots of times, we are excited that you're with us. We say it every week that Jesus is the hope of the world. So I just would encourage you, open your heart up wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, and allow God to step into your situation. It'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Well, listen, before we jump into the message, I just want to issue a challenge and a reminder. I know we are living in some dark and difficult days as we navigate everything that's happening in society and culture. Before all of this happened, man, we, for the last five years, have been one of the fastest growing churches in the nation. It's been exciting to see everything that God is doing. But obviously, with, the, with COVID and people still wrestling through a lot of things, people aren't coming to a building, and that's okay if you're watching online. We're glad you're with us. But here's the challenge. I just want to tell you, listen, don't stop inviting people and encouraging people to be a part of what God's doing in their life. I want to issue the challenge. Listen, if you come live, bring somebody live with you. If you're watching online, then I would encourage you to tag somebody, invite them to one of the services. We're not just offering online anymore, 830, 10, and 1130, but also it's an option for you to invite somebody or go back and watch again later. Besides Sunday morning at 830, 10, and 1130, we're also offering services on Sunday night, Thursday night, and Saturday night at 7 p.m. So what we, what we do Sunday will carry through the entire week. So again, I would just encourage, man, keep inviting people, tag people, invite them into what God's doing in your life. And let's continue to reach people and connect them to God and others. Come on, y'all for that? Well, listen, we are finishing a series that we just started last week entitled Generations. And Generations is this idea that is really forcing us to get a long view of life which is, again, not natural. Typically, we are very selfish and short-sighted people. If we're honest, most of us tend to think about our life, about the me here and the now. Like, what am I going through? What's happening right now in the moment? And we tend to only care about what's happening under our roof. We are short-sighted, me here and now. But what we found out last week in week one of this series, Generations, is that the God we serve, God's focus is everyone everywhere in eternity, that God has this long view of life, specifically your life. Now, again, I know the challenge is sometimes we're just trying to keep our head above water. We're just trying to make it through Monday. We're trying to, we're trying to just get through the season we're in. And while your days matter, I want you to understand your destiny matters. And God has something really significant that he wants to do through your life. And so we introduced this guy by the name of Abraham last week. And what we find out about Abraham while his story is pretty complex and long, there's two things that really point out or come out of his story that are important. When God first introduces this guy, Abraham, he pulls him out of obscurity. Two things that we found out that are important is one, he was an idolater, which means his family and his family's family for generations before him, they didn't worship, they didn't worship God of the Bible. They didn't worship the true God. They worshiped the idols that their generations before them taught them to worship. So not only was he an idolater, but the second thing we found out is this guy is 75 years old. He's too old to have kids. He's married to somebody by the name of Sarah, and they want nothing more than just to have a son. And God steps on the scene, and God introduces himself to Abraham, and he makes him this promise where this idea of generations come from. He says in Genesis 12, 2 to Abraham, he says this. He says, I will make you into a great nation. What he's saying is like, hey, I know you want a son, but what I have for you is bigger than the me here and now. It's something greater than you having a son for you and Sarah now. God's saying what I want to do through you is I want to bring an entire nation out of you. 
which means I'm going to give you a son and they're going to have kids and they're going to have kids. And that group of people is going to grow into a nation, the nation of Israel. And out of that nation, through that family line, through that heritage that we learned last week, ultimately Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Messiah was born through that line. And here we are 2,000 years later after that, we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who came through the line of Abraham, who started, come on, 5,000 years ago. That's generations. God has something big to do through your life. But we got to get the long view. And ultimately, the principle that we're going to talk about today, I think the principle that God was teaching Abraham and really wants us to learn is this, if you're taking notes, is that personal choices have generational consequences. That the choices you make and the decisions I make, they last longer than the moment. In fact, really, they do echo into eternity. They have generational consequences. Now, I don't know if you came up in church, you've been in church long, you probably have maybe heard the term generational curses. Anybody ever heard that term before? Generational curses. Well, I, I don't really know about generational curses, but I believe probably what is more accurately described in Scripture is generational consequences. What's a generational consequence? If you're taking notes, here's in my book, generational consequences are the repercussions of our decisions that impact multiple generations. Which means when you make a decision, it doesn't live in the me here and now. It doesn't stay in the moment. It impacts and influences generations to come. Let me give you a couple examples because before we talk about this being a spiritual or biblical principle, come on, social scientists have figured this out. That this principle of generational consequences is really everywhere you look. Let's talk about some social sciences. Let's talk about economics. Let's talk about money. 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 So I don't know about anybody else, but about a month ago, I got an envelope in the mail, and I felt the envelope, and I felt something small, plastic, and square in it. And I opened it up, and Uncle Sam had gloriously sent me and my family some money. And I found out I'm not the only one. $2 trillion was passed in a stimulus package, and probably many or most of you watching this, watching online, you either got a check in the mail or you got a debit card. Come on, anybody get some money for some free money from Uncle Sam? Come on, y'all gonna make some noise. Come on, I'm all about some free money. Woo! And businesses got triple P loans that really are grants. You can write that off. You get to keep that money and small business. I mean, Uncle Sam mailed $2 trillion. And we're calling it free money. You know the truth? It's not free. Somebody's gonna pay for that money. Do you know who's gonna pay for that money? So we have a group of men and women, Congress, who passed a law now. And the people who are going to pay for that money is your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Y'all know that's true, right? That's a generational consequence. Someone made a decision in the me here now, and it's going to impact generations to come. Let me give you another one in the social sciences. Let's talk about sociology for a second. Now, I'm not here to make anybody feel bad if you've gone through this season or situation in your life, but divorce. Did you know there are plenty of statistics that tell us this? that if you have children and you have a divorce or a split in your marriage, that your children are 60% more likely to divorce because they come from a divorced home. And if they come from a divorced home, their children, so your grandchildren, are 75% more likely to have a divorce because they come from a line of divorce. Everybody say consequences. There are generational consequences to the decisions we make. John Hopkins did a study. You could check it out. It's 
pretty fascinating to look at. And basically, it was a study on what happens to children and grandchildren in the absence of a father in the home. And not to diminish the significance of mothers in any way, but this study was about the significance of the imprint that a father makes on his kids. And what they found was that the, the, uh, the presence of a father is far more significant in the stability of a child generationally, which means if a father is absent in a home, their child, and I won't go through all the numbers, but basically are much more statistically higher to go to prison, to be in poverty, to be addicted, and to be convicted of a violent offense without the absence of father. And I'm just telling you, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that influence children influence children. Because if you experience divorce in your home, it's impacting generations to come. If you have financial decisions you make, it's impacting generations to come. Everybody say generational consequences. Your decisions and my decisions are echoing. Now, that, I know this feels heavy and it's some bad news, but the good news is what God was telling Abraham is that if you'll shift this in a significant way, God says, I'll do something greater through you than you could ever imagine. I'll do something that's bigger than the minute, bigger than the moment, and bigger than the season. After they maybe forgot even what you look like, what you did still matters to positively impact generations to come. Everybody say generations. What you do and what I do, it matters. So generational consequences is this idea that the generation that's coming after us. So this primarily is a family unit discussion. But if you're like, Pastor, I don't have kids, and I don't know if I want to have kids, and some of you are like, I can't have kids, don't feel like this doesn't apply to you because this is still a spiritual principle. Those in your area of influence, you are still impacting generationally. So when we talk about generational consequence, I'm talking about number one, generational consequences is that the, the generation coming after you bears the consequences of your decisions. Again, we don't make them in a bubble. They're going to pay the consequences of our decisions. And not only are they going to pay the consequences, but generational consequences, the idea that they, they adopt the behavior of the generation before them. Come on. I don't know if you all know this, but you act just like your parents. It's generational consequences. We pick that stuff up and we adopt it. Numbers chapter 14, God gives us this bird's eye view of this principle that I want to teach you today. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, I want every voice in the house, everybody online, everybody in Lawrenceburg, I want you to read this with me. It says, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. Come on, is anybody here thankful for that good news, that we have a God who loves us, who is gracious because of his son, Jesus? Come on, we have somebody that will forgive our sin, no matter how atrocious or grievous, God forgives us. Come on, is anybody here thankful for that? If you're perfect, you ain't got nothing to be thankful for, but if you've made some mistakes in your life, that's really good news. But unfortunately, the verse doesn't stop there. So while God is forgiving every kind of sin, notice what it says, but he does not excuse the guilty. You say, Pastor, what's the difference? The difference between God forgiving sin and excusing the guilty is the difference between consequences and condemnation. You say, what's the difference there? Let's say uh, I have a road rage incident, which is not as far-fetched as you might think. And if that guy sits at the green light any longer, which, by the way, I don't know who's watching this, the light turned green the other day. I was behind you and I beeped. It's a northern thing. It's not you. Don't take it personal. I know southern people are so gracious. They will sit and let a whole, like three lights change before you beep the horn. 
Not me, baby. If I'm behind you, I turns green and you don't go, you're getting the horn. That's what it's there for. <laughs> FY. Where was I? Anyway, so let's say somebody, I mean, and I just, like, I lose my temper. Like, I just can't. And I get out of the car and I kill somebody. And I go to prison. And I'm sitting in prison one day, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit convicts me of the grievous sin of murder, that I've taken somebody else's life. And in genuine repentance, I call out, Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And in genuine repentance, did you know no matter how great your sin, God will forgive you? That's some good news. But I want you to know, even though I will find forgiveness in the prison, I will still be in prison. That's the difference between condemnation and consequence. What God is saying is, if you sin, if you make bad choices, God's saying, I will forgive you if you call out to me, but I won't always rescue you from the consequences. Listen to how this verse goes on. He says this. He says, he lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Read it with me. Even children in the third and fourth generations. He's saying, while I will forgive your sins, sometimes the consequences of your decisions and my decisions, they don't stop with us in the me here and now. They will carry on to your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. That is generational consequences. Come on. Does anybody here, we know this. Did you know that you have received from your parents, did you know they passed on to you physical DNA? That's why you look just like your parents. For my son, that's great news because I look at him, I'm like, ooh, you good-looking son. He looks just like me. I'm like, man, you look good. And just gets better. Look at me. This is your future, son. This is it. Some of your kids aren't as fortunate as our kids. My daughters look just like a beautiful mom. And I can't, it don't be mad at me. Physical DNA. But did you know not only do, did I pass on to my kids our good looks, but we passed on to our kids our bad behavior? Our kids don't just look just like us. For good or bad, they act just like us. And there's times I watch our kids and they exemplify the best of our behavior and they love people and they serve people and they go out of their way and they're involved in ministry and we catch them reading their Bible and doing their devotions and serving in church and treating people well. And when they exemplify the best in us as parents, we glow. You know why? Because we have passed on not just physical DNA, but spiritual DNA. And we love it when our children exemplify the best in us. But you know what? I hate it when my kids exemplify the worst in us. When I see the bad attitude or when I see something that I saw in my parents that I didn't like, my parents gave me lots of good, but they passed on some bad too. And I passed on lots of good to my kids, but I passed on bad too. We just don't pass on our good looks, our bad behavior, because spiritual DNA spreads generationally. I wish y'all would help me today. You don't just look like your parents, you act like them. Now, just because we're under generational consequences doesn't mean you're underneath a generational obligation. When I say that, I mean just because your parents have influenced who you are as an individual with generational consequences doesn't mean you have to repeat the behavior that you saw exampled and exemplified before you. Even though you've been influenced by it and it's natural to repeat those behavioral patterns because you've seen them doesn't mean you're obligated to do it. Come on, some of, you, some of you can get a new start in Jesus. Some of you can start a new day and a new beginning. God can do something to break generational consequences in your family line if you'll give him a chance. Ezekiel chapter 18, here's what God says. Speaking through Ezekiel the prophet, 
says, then another message came to me from the Lord. This is what God says. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? He's saying, God's saying, I keep hearing everybody say this. And here's what they were saying. The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. That's a weird proverb. The parents ate the sour grapes, but it's the children's lips who are puckering. You know what he's saying? God's saying, I keep hearing all the people say, it's my parents' fault I'm this way. They ate the sour grapes and my lips are puckered. They did this and now I act this way because of them. God's saying, you can't say anymore. You can't blame your parents or your upbringing based on your behavior. While you are under a generational influence, you're not underneath a generational obligation. He goes on, he says this, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb anymore in Israel. For all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. If you're taking notes, everyone has a generational accountability regardless of a generational influence, which means, again, you look a certain way and behave a certain way based on the generations that have come before you, how they have believed and how they have behaved. They have passed that down generationally, generational consequences. But just because something's been passed down to you doesn't mean you're obligated to continue in that behavior. You can begin a new behavior, lifestyle, attitude, belief system today with the grace of Jesus. Come on, y'all give God some praise for that. But again, I'm, I'm here talking about generational consequences, not just the bad, not just the heavy. There's some good. There's this, there's this potential in us to pass on, to start something new, to change the world we live in. If we'll allow God to get us into the long view of life and past the short view of the moment and see that if we'll begin to align our life with who he is and his word, that it'll pass on to generations to come and we will change literally the world. And so when God talks about, again, we hear people talk about generational curses. God is not threatening us with generational curses. God is informing us about generational consequences. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody here, have you ever had a friend that you knew was getting ready to make a bad decision and you could see if they, make the, if they date that person, it's going to end up bad? Anybody here ever watch somebody like you could see the train wreck coming? Come on, wave at me if you got some crazy friends. Like, they're getting ready to make a decision, and you could see if they do that, if they marry them, if they date them, if they go there, then this is going to end up bad. Like, you could see it coming. Now, listen, y'all smart people. If you, being human with limited knowledge, can see where the decision of one of your friends is going to end up 20 years down the road, don't you think that God, who has unlimited knowledge, can see where our decisions are going to go to impact generations to come? Come on, y'all. I'm saying if, God, if you can see the short term of a decision, how it impacts the next generation, you better believe God can see the long view of how our decisions impact generations to come. So he says, hey, I know where this is going. I see where your lifestyle and your decision, I can see where it's headed. I can see how it's going to impact your kids. I can see how it's going to influence your grandkids. And God says, if you'll get on board with my plan, I'll do something greater than you could possibly imagine. So it's not a threat of a generational curse. It's, a, it's just, hey, God's like, hey, I can let you know there are generational consequences, and you have to choose how you're going to leverage them. And so I want us to step into back to Abraham. So again, Abraham is this guy that God introduces himself to, and basically in Genesis 12, God gives Abraham the long view. 
And he says, if you'll leave your family, leave your father's house, if you'll come and trust me and follow me, God again gives him seven I am's. And basically God says, I'll change not just you, but I'll change your entire family line. And for what God does is God gives him about an 800-year view out in those 12 verses. It's actually further than that. We talked about it last week, but 800 years out. God says, I'll bring a nation out of you. It'll start with the son you wanted, Isaac. And Isaac will have Jacob, and Jacob will have Joseph, and Joseph will have 400 generations. And God says, ultimately, through that family line, this is so powerful, I won't just give you a son, and I won't just give you a nation, but out of that family lineage, a Messiah, a Savior is going to be born. And through that Messiah, he's not just going to be for Jewish people. He's going to be for all people. And Jesus isn't just going to die for Jewish sin. He's going to die for everybody's sin. And here we are 2,000 years later after that. We have a Savior who died on the cross to save us, to forgive us, to redeem us, and to make us God's kid. And that started not just with Jesus, but generationally it started with Abraham. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about generation. There is something great in you if you will think bigger than the moment. And so Abraham, his story was looking 800 years forward. Some of you know the family line. Again, it's once you get to Moses, the nation of Israel, they're stuck as slaves in the land of Egypt. God sends Moses to rescue them out of Egypt to try to take them to the promised land. But between Egypt and the promised land, they got to wander through the wilderness. Moses leads them all that way. Moses dies in the wilderness. And Moses hands off the leadership baton to this guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua leads them into the promised land. They go in and they kick all kind of butt drive everybody out, and they possess the land that God has for them. Joshua now, what we're about to read, Joshua's an old man. And he's able to take everything that he's experienced, and he puts it in context where Abraham was looking ahead 800 years. Joshua is now at the 800-year mark, and he's looking back, and he wants the people that are right in front of them that experienced the promise of God come to pass. He says, I want you to know how you got here. I want you to see how your journey ended up where you are. Listen to this. This is so powerful. Joshua 24. It says, Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So this family, this huge family, was broken up into tribes. We're broken up into subdivisions here in the south. Never landed. Didn't land any service. That's funny. I don't care who you are. Come on. Everybody lives in a subdivision. It's the weirdest thing. We don't live that way in the north. And every subdivision has a mayor who's the head of the HOA. Come on, if you're the mayor, you got some clout. We've experienced it. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> come on, y'all take a breath. Everybody say generations. So Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates. I led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir. To Jacob and his children, they went down into Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt. And afterwards, watch this. This is such a powerful word. Afterward, I brought you out as free people. Now, we're about to read this word you a lot, but let me just tell you, the people that he's talking to that are right in front of him wasn't alive in Egypt. But he keeps saying you, I brought you out of Egypt. Listen to it. 
He said, I brought you out as free people. But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Sea, the Egyptians chased after you with chariots and charioteers. When your ancestors cried out to the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them. With your very own eyes, you saw what I did. They weren't even alive. This is hundreds of years before the people standing here hearing this speech were even alive. It says, with your very own eyes, you saw, then you lived in the wilderness for many years. Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possession of the land. So fear the Lord and serve him heartily. Here's what he's saying. He's saying it started with Abraham, but he's saying all of you, you were always in Abraham. There's something in you that's greater than you. There are generations in you. There are, there are promises in you. There's potential in you. There's dreams in you. There's destiny in you. And you may not see it because we are so caught up in the me here and now. But God is saying, Abraham couldn't even see how I was going to do it. But here we are 800 years later. And God's saying, listen, I brought a victory in them, but you get the benefit of the victory. What I'm telling you is if you'll allow God to do something great in you, if you'll come to Jesus, if you haven't, it won't just impact you. It'll impact generations to come, that generations from now, you people can say, I am where I am because my grandfather loved God and served the Lord, because my grandmother knew Jesus and followed him. I'm telling God says, I brought you through the Red Sea. I'm telling you, the people that are coming after you can celebrate a victory that they will live in because you experienced it. I don't care what else anything happens in my family. The thing that matters most is do they know Jesus and do they follow God? I don't care about their finances and their education. Those things matter. But the thing that matters most is do they know Christ? So 800 years later, God's saying through Joshua, hey, you're here. You're living in the promised land. Because for 800 years, you were in Abraham, and I did a work in him, and you're a beneficiary. You were in Egypt, and when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, it's like I brought you out. You're a beneficiary. And when you cross the Red Sea, and I caused the Red Sea to swallow up the Egyptians, that victory, that belongs to you too. You weren't even alive, but that's your victory. So I'm telling you, you matter. I'm telling you, your decisions have ripple. I'm telling you that how you live, it echoes into generations to come. I know it doesn't always feel that way, and we live in the minutia of the moment, but your life and your destiny is purpose is bigger if you will live intentionally. And you're taking notes. That's where I want to go. So if our decisions have generational influence, which they do, then we should be intentional with the influence we have. I'm just going to tell you, I'm so far from perfect, it's not even funny. So I'm not telling you like every day I wake up and every day I kill it and I get to the end of every day and I'm like, you're welcome, Monday. Tuesday, you're welcome. Like I don't live that way. There's days I go to bed and I think, man, I blew it. And there's days I live in the best of me, and there's days I live in the worst of me. There's days I exemplify the best my parents passed on, and there's days I exemplify the worst that my parents passed on. There's days that I exemplify the best of what Jesus is doing in my life, and there's days I exemplify the worst of what God wants to do in my life. But I'm just telling you, I'm not saying we won't still make mistakes or miss moments, but I'm saying if we will just say, okay, God, let me get past the moment, let me get the big picture that the decisions I'm making right now, it will matter not just in minutes and not just for months, but it will matter for generations. I got a newsflash for you. 
Probably most of you in this room, most of you watching online, your hope is that your kids will grow up and love and serve Jesus. But newsflash, listen, just because you tell them to read the Bible and you tell them to go to church doesn't mean they will read the Bible and come to church. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are, which means it's, they're not listening to what you're saying as much as they're following how you're leading. Generations. Everybody say generations. So how you're living today will determine how generations coming after you will live tomorrow. Like our practices, our practices become patterns in the generation to come. Here's something crazy. Listen to this. I, I found this out a couple weeks ago. Did you know that nutritionists, not that you should let one in your house. In fact, after this, if one comes and knocks on your door, you won't let them in your house. But if a nutritionist could come into your house, did you know that they can look in your food pantry and they can open up your refrigerator and based on the nutritional value of the things they find in your cupboard pantry and refrigerator, they can foreshadow the health, the well-being, and the fat body index of your kids and grandkids? <laughs> come on. Which means if you got boxes of processed foods and you got fruit roll-ups for years, you kids are in trouble. Now, the other side of it is, I'm not really condoning this side either, but if you got a bunch of tofu and spinach, your kids are going to probably be all right. I'm telling you, like, how you eat now, if every night you're eating Burger King Whoppers and you're giving your kids, like, you eat how you want, but your practices are setting up behavioral patterns that's going to weigh out in literally how they feel, function, and live physically for the rest of their life. And if that principle is true, that those things impact physically, you better believe that the most powerful principle there is is spiritually multiplying ourselves and someone else. It's far more true spiritually than it is physically, which means the physical diet we're giving our kids is nothing compared to the spiritual diet we're giving them. We are setting up generations to come. Come on, everybody say generations. 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm getting to two questions. I'm going to ask two questions. Paul, he was the apostle, and man, he was so good at raising up leaders and identifying leaders and putting leaders and pastors in positions of these new churches. And Timothy was one of those guys that he helped put into position and help see potential in his life. And so the Apostle Paul, in order to encourage him in his journey, he wrote him two letters that are in the New Testament. First and second Timothy is Paul writing to this young pastor, Timothy, of how to deal with crazy church people. It's in the Bible. You should read it. But I want you to notice how, how he starts one of these letters. How did, how did Timothy get where he was? This is so important. Watch this. Paul says to him, 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that was first, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I know that same faith continues strong in you. I don't know about you. When I read that, I think of Yoda. Continues strong in you, it does. Like, do you all hear the Yoda in there? It's just in there. You just got to read it. But here's what he's saying. He's like, like, Faith didn't spontaneously generate. It didn't pop up on the scene. Paul's saying, Timothy, I see faith in you. And you know where the faith came from? It came from your mom. And do you know where her faith came, came from? Her faith came from your grandma. He's saying, like, we live our lives and we're passing something on. And you get to choose what you pass on. And you get to choose what you don't pass on. And so two questions. I'm going to ask you these. And here's my prayer coming into today is you're not going to have to probably think long on this. You're not going to have to meditate. You can take it home and write it down and really 
Think, think it through and pray about it. But my thought is immediately you're going to think of two answers to these two questions. Are you ready? In light of everything I just said, the generational consequences are a fact of life, not just in social sciences, but in spirituality and how we live our lives. We are passing on to the generation to come how we live today. In light of generational consequences, how should we leverage the influence we have? Two questions. Number one, what about your family do you want to stop with you? It stops here. What is it about your family that your great-granddaddy did it and your granddaddy did it and your daddy did it and you're saying today it stops? It's been, it's try, they're trying to hand it on to me, but it stops with me. I refuse to hand it on to my kids. Let me give you some examples. There are generational curses. There are generational consequences of bitterness and unforgiveness. Your grandmother was an unforgiving person. And your mom was an unforgiving person. And now you're an unforgiving person. A friend does something to you and you immediately different them and you just cut them off and stop. You're just done with them. You just write them off. And you carry, like it's your, your family's known for it. You may not know this, but in the community, your family's known as the bitter, unforgiving family. And generations just keeps being, and your kids are watching you, how you forgive people and how you deal with hurt. And someone has to say, it stops with me. My grandma was that way. My mom was that way, but it stops with me. Maybe it's bitterness. You know what? Here's an idea. Racism. You know how racism is going to stop? Did you know that children are not born racist? They learn racism by hearing jokes and connotations and remarks and watching behaviors in the home that they're raised in. What if everybody in this room watching this message say, you know what? I can't change how my great-granddaddy act. I can't change how my granddaddy was. I can't change how my daddy was. And I can't change the behavior and attitudes I had five minutes ago. But it stops with me. I refuse to pass, gender, I refuse to pass racism on to the next generation. Come on, y'all got to help me. So here's the question. What about your family do you want to stop with you? It stops here. Personal repentance leads to generational transformation. If you'll take whatever's been handed, whatever you've seen, witnessed, and exemplified and modeled in front of you, say, God, I don't want that to carry on another generation. Father, forgive me for the way I've walked in that, lived that. Father, help me. I repent. Help me to pass on something different to my kids and their grandkids. Question number two. So what about your family do you want to start with you? So some stuff you're saying no more. It stops right here. What is it about your family that maybe it's not been in your family, but you're saying from here on out, it's going to be in my family. I love my family they gave me so much, such a rich heritage and so many good values and so much character, but they didn't give me faith. They didn't tell me about Jesus. They didn't raise me to understand the Bible. I didn't go to church. But you know what? With me, with my kids, oh, they're going to go to church. Faith, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure there's some stuff that doesn't get passed down, and I'm going to make sure some stuff reaches generations after me. So what is it in your family? What about your family do you want to stop with you? And what is it about your family that you want to start with you? Because not only does personal repentance lead to generational transformation, but personal revival. God started in me. Started in me. How many of you watching this or listening today would say, Pastor Steve, I want to, I want to be the catalyst to stop some things and start some things in the generations to come. So, Father, all over this room, everybody watching online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would 
Number one, help us to see, help us to appreciate and understand how much real influence we all carry, that we may not have titles and tags and we may not have money in the bank, but we still carry generational influence. And so, Lord, I pray, God, help us to leverage it well and intentionally to stop things from moving on any further that do not belong and that do not honor you. Father, I pray, God, help us to begin to embrace some beliefs and some behaviors that honor who you are, that we'll pass on to the generation to come, the faith, the faith that's impacted our lives. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees said amen.